It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the summer of 2022. I hope you've got some great adventures planned in the great outdoors in the weeks ahead and that those plans involve some time on the water, whether it be on the ocean or a lake or a river, and hopefully you'll get to bring a fishing pole with you too. We've got a great show for you this weekend featuring a variety of different topics to include. An interview focused on hunting big Burmese python snakes this summer in the Florida Everglades during the state's annual python challenge. We'll also talk about hunting dogs when we chat with Ron Bame, the man behind the Hunting Dog Podcast. We'll be asking Ron the age-old question... Can you teach an old dog new tricks? In this case, though, we are focused on breaking bad habits your mature dog may have developed over the years when it comes to obedience and hunting. Ron will let you know how tough it's going to be to make these middle-aged course corrections and even give you some suggestions about how to try and go about it. We'll also talk to Christine Ostertag again, that Wisconsin angler and writer you heard from last week when she talked about catching, cleaning, and cooking crappie. This week, she's going to tell you about a great fishing trip she enjoyed with her family at Cliff Lakes Resort in Northwest Ontario this month. Between the lake trout, the muskie, the pike, and a few other species, they had all sorts of fun. And she can't wait to tell you more about what sounds like a great fishing destination north of the border. Another guest we'll talk to today is Mark Holyoke with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The World Elk Calling Championship is coming up July 22nd and the 23rd in Park City, Utah, and you are invited to attend whether you want to compete or just listen to some great elk calling. Mark will give you the details on how this competition works just after the bottom of the hour. Last but not least, we've got not one, but two new state record fish to tell you about today, and I do love sharing these stories. But before we talk about big fish, let's talk about big snakes. We have got Michaela Spencer on the line. She is the Florida Fish and Wildlife Interagency Python Management Coordinator, and we are going to tell you about something very unique in our United States. That would be the Florida Python Challenge that's coming up this summer. Michaela, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So Florida has a really big problem with big Burmese pythons. How did these snakes get in the Florida Everglades and how big of a problem is this? So Burmese pythons came to Florida through the pet trade and they became established in the environment through accidental intentional releases and they have literally become a big problem. That's a great way to say it. So they're a large constrictor snake with the longest one on record in Florida being 18 feet 9 inches and they possess many traits many traits that make them a very successful invasive species in the state, including a generalist diet. So they aren't picky eaters, and they are directly impacting the environment by eating mammals, reptiles, and birds. So it is a very big problem. I have actually seen some TV shows where they've actually eaten deer, which is amazing to me. I want to ask, have they ever attacked humans or killed humans? So there's no attacks from the wild in Florida on, on a human getting killed on record, but they're have been times um, where people are trying to capture pythons, and they do have mouths and they do have teeth. And as any wild animal does, it defends itself when something is coming after it, such as a human being. So 
Most of the times when somebody gets bit by a python, it's because they were actively trying to capture it. And so that's why we teach safe capture techniques and hope that there are less people who end up getting bit. Yes, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, let's talk about the Florida Python Challenge. This is an annual event, and you do this to combat the the number of Burmese pythons in Florida and also raise awareness about the program. This year, it runs from August 5th through August 14th. What's going on here? How does this work? Yeah, so, you know, you put it, you, it's a great summary of the dates and what's coming up, because the intent of the 2022 Florida Python Challenge is to continue bringing awareness to invasive species issues, such as the Burmese python, in South Florida, and to engage the public in participating in Everglades conservation through invasive species control. So, in this competition, the public has the opportunity to get a hands-on experience at removing Burmese pythons from the environment. Let's talk about registering for the event and maybe getting some training so you'll be successful and not get hurt when you're trying to get some of these pythons. We'll start off with how do you register? Perfect. So that's a great question. So there are steps that registrants are required to take before they are able to compete. And so these steps are outlined on flpythonchallenge.org. They include taking the short but very important required online training. So it is kind of a training that outlines some of the rules to compete in the competition, along with paying the $25 non-refundable registration fee. After completing those steps, you are then eligible to compete. But we recommend participants additionally visit the FWC's Python Patrol Program training page that includes information on how to properly identify Burmese pythons from native snakes, how to search for pythons, how to safely capture pythons, because again, safety is number one priority for people, and how to safely and humanely kill pythons once they're captured. I've got to ask, because I have no idea, how do you go about catching a 10-foot Burmese python? (laughs) Well, I can tell you it's definitely very different from capturing like a little two-foot python. (laughs) So when you're going for an adult python, they are larger, and we regularly are pulling 10-foot pythons out of the Everglades. And The key to safe capture training, one of the key things we always bring to our trainings and show people is to use a snake hook. Snake hooks, what's funny is people look at the hook end and they think that's the part they're using and the the handle is actually the most important part of that snake hook. That snake hook can then be used to, the handle is used to help pin the head. So the idea is to reduce the opportunity for the snake to be able to bite you when capturing it. So that is one of the big parts of training is use that handle, pin the head properly. We train people. We have videos. We have um, images showing how to pin that head, get the head under control in your hand, and then you deal with the constrictor part. And the other part we really train is keep the snake on the ground. Don't pick that 10-foot python up after you've got the head in your hand because the ground is your friend. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you just imagine bad things are going to happen if you pick that python up, especially if that's big. (laughs) So they like to start rapping. (laughs) No kidding. Okay, let's talk about the prize money. It's pretty serious. Now, there's two divisions. (laughs) There's the novice division, and then there's the professional division. And you get money for bringing in the most pythons, and you also get money for the longest python, too. What are the prizes? Yeah, so, you know, it's a competition, so we always want to make sure there are prizes in a competition, and we're always excited to have the opportunity to award the public for their participation efforts. So, this year, there will be prizes, as you mentioned, in both that professional and novice categories for the most pythons caught, which is worth $2,500, and then there's the second most pythons caught, which is then worth $750. In addition, we have longest python, which is worth $1,500, and then the second longest python, which is $750, and that's in each of those categories. And I understand there's something special for active duty military service members and veterans who compete too. 
Yeah, so supporting our active duty military and veterans is very important. And we are able to do this through the additional prize categories that are only eligible to our active duty and veteran participants. Okay, I've got to ask, what are some of the prizes? So they're going to likely be cash prizes. Um, We're still finalizing exactly what those are going to look like. Okay, that's more than fair. And I guess I do have one more question. Traditionally, how many people do come down to the Florida Everglades to take part in the Florida Python Challenge? With this event, we're really fortunate that we get a lot of participants. And we, a lot of times, get them from across the country. Last year, we had over 25 states were represented with participants. So that's amazing. And um, last year, we also had over 600 registrants. So that's pretty much usually the, what we're expecting, likely to get this year, if not more. So we're always really, really excited that so many people decide to participate. Well, that's a lot of people hunting snakes in the Everglades. Yeah. And if you want to participate, <laughs> folks, you can do so. Again, it's the Florida Python Challenge. It's taking place August 5th through August 14th. You can find out all the details and register and get training through flpythonchallenge.org. That's the website, flpythonchallenge.org. Any last thoughts you want to share before we go, Michaela? No, except for that we hope to see a lot of people down here, and we can't wait. All right. Again, it's the Florida Python Challenge. Do your part to go ahead and control this invasive species in Florida's Everglades, and have some fun while you're at it. Thanks so much for sharing this with us today, Michaela, on America Outdoors Radio. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting goods stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com.
You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz, and we've got Christine Ostertag back on the line. You'll recall we talked to her recently about fishing for crappie and cleaning them and cooking them up in a delicious fashion. And this time around, we're going to talk to Christine about her latest adventure, a trip to Northwest Ontario, where she had some great fishing. Christine, welcome back. Yes, good to be back. So let's talk a little bit about where you went in Northwest Ontario and what you were catching there. Yeah, so I went up to uh, Cliff Lake Resorts. So they are north of Vermilion Bay. So we usually go through Fort Francis, up through Dryden, and then we kind of keep going. So, um, But this year, because of all the flooding, we, we had to take a little bit of a, a detour. So that was part of the fun, actually. We ended up going down some very narrow bridges and interesting roads. So that <laughs> made it even more fun. Cliff Lake, I understand that this outfit's got three resorts. Tell me a little bit about the lake. Tell me a little bit about the resorts. And it sounds like this is a drive-in resort, not a fly-in. Yeah, yep. So they have so they have their main camp, which is Muskie Bay, or not Muskie Bay, is uh, Lost Bay Resort. And so I think there's 11 cabins there. The docks are great. Every single spot on the dock has a plug-in for charging your boat. Um, they have bait there. They have tackle there. The cabins were super, super nice. I've been to a lot of places in Canada, and their cabins are definitely some of the nicer ones that we've stayed in. And then they also have Muskie Bay Resort, which is on the other end of the lake. And that one is that one's a little bit cheaper just because if you want bait or tackle, you do have to come to the main Lost Bay Resort one. And then the other one is actually like an outpost. So that one, there's one, I believe there's one cabin there, and you kind of just get it to yourself. So Cliff Lake, is it's broken up into like, multiple bays. The lake is kind of long and kind of just branches out. And then they also have some portage lakes that you can go to. So if you decide like, I don't want to fish Cliff Lake today, they do have some other lakes where they have boats there that you just pull up onto shore off of Cliff Lake. You walk a little ways and then there's a boat there and you can fish the the smaller portage lakes too. I actually got to do something similar up in the Northwest Territories and and it's so much fun. It's such an adventure when you get to go to these little lakes with the, the little boats there and I'm guessing you were probably all by yourself on those little lakes, weren't you? Yes. Yep. There's one boat there, so you have the lake to yourself. <laughs> all right. So what are you catching up there? So a little bit of everything. Um, Cliff Lake, pretty known for its muskies. But I would also say that after being there, that the lake trout there are very plentiful. And there's some really nice ones there. Um, but we caught walleyes. We caught smallmouth, lake trout muskies. We caught northerns. And the size of the fish, like... I mean, I caught a 20-inch smallmouth. We caught multiple of those. There's big muskies in there. The lake trout, which I know typically, right, you think lake trout, you go deep, right? You dig for them, you troll for them really deep. Well, if you go in the springtime, they actually will move shallow. Um, So we were catching big lake trout just fishing, like, along shore for smallmouth and walleyes. So that was pretty awesome. We caught a couple 30 and a half inches, some 29s, and like by far they are some of the best fighting fish. Those are some really nice Lakers. Good for you. Yeah. And I understand that you actually hooked into a muskie while you were there. Yes. Yep. So I went with my mom and dad. My dad hooked into a 41 and a half inch muskie. Um, I had a 35 and a half my mom caught some muskies. And then I know someone else at the camp had hooked into, I think it was 42 and a half inch muskie. It wasn't even muskie season. So we weren't really, you know, we weren't targeting them. We were catching them on our walleye and bass gear. So that's even more fun. <laughs> oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. Well, what kind so, of lures were you using? 
So typically, so the small molds were pretty, they were pretty shallow. So we actually were using just like small crankbaits, like square bells, typically meant for, for small molds. Sure. And we actually, that's what we caught a lot of our Lakers on, actually. The Lakers absolutely loved them. So yeah, small crankbaits. And then we also were using kind of a weightless fluke. So we were using plastics. And basically, we just would have the, the fluke on a hook and then just a small split shot up a little ways and you know we would just kind of slowly twitch it back off of shore and the smallmouth would inhale that the walleye we'd catch you know 27 and a half inch walleyes doing that that's how that 41 inch muskie was caught wow yeah small crankbaits we did use some plastics we did use live bait too but i mean honestly we did awesome on the small crankbaits and plastics so that's kind of what we did we also did we did go out deeper and jig for some lakers and we were using like jigging wraps, you can use ripping wraps too, or you can just use a minnow. And then, you know, even trolling like stick baits and, and crankbaits for the lake trout is another thing that we did. So it sounds like this is all self-guided. None of this was guided, was it? Nope. So at first we were a little intimidated because Cliff Lake, you know, it's a good size lake. Obviously for Canada, it's probably not the biggest, but there was just a lot of structure. The lake is, is clear, you know, clear, rocky, you know, your kind of your typical Canadian lake. But we were actually finding a lot of the smallmouth and stuff under timber. Interesting. So I'd be looking for yeah, you'd, bass, not smallmouth bass. Right. But so, and, and that's where we, you know, we'd find the walleyes and the muskies and stuff too. So they were kind of in shallow and you'd find like a down tree and you'd cast in there and you honestly, you never knew what you were going to catch. Well, I absolutely love this. And folks, fishing in Canada is always a ton of fun. It's just so pristine up there. It's undeveloped. It's just beautiful country. And if you want to find out more, about fishing cliff lake go to clifflakeresorts.com no they're not a sponsor or anything but just sounds like a great place to go fishing the website again clifflakeresorts.com christine thanks for sharing this with us today really yes not a problem yes it was a blast and i will say so tyler and sarah are the owners of the camp and, and they were both super nice if you have any questions i guarantee you they would be willing to answer any of them and you know they do offer guiding so tyler will take you out on a guided trip if you want and then you whatever you want to target he'll he'll take you to oh and i guess one more question do they have rental boats too for listeners who don't have boats yeah so they have a couple different ones you can just get kind of their regular one that you know the typical you know 16 foot you know boat that just has the bench seats but then you can also do an upgraded one they have really nice crest liners there and that it comes with uh, downriggers if you want them if you want to go fish deep for the lake trout and they're super nice if you go on their website you can see those but they're i mean very very nice boats like i said they come with downriggers um they have the graphs and everything else as well all right well do it primitive or do it modern but either way cliff lake resorts that sounds like a great place to go just go to clifflakeresorts.com to find out more and plan your next fishing trip to northwest ontario today christine thanks for sharing this with us on america outdoors radio you're welcome thanks for having me speaking of great fishing lodge and resort experiences our friends at sportsman's cove lodge on prince of wales island in southeast alaska much to my surprise still have some slots available from july 5th through the 9th due to a cancellation they've been booked up for months this just came open a few weeks ago we've been talking about it and it's almost time to go And so they are really trying to fill it with a buy one, get one opportunity here. That's right. Two of you can go for the price of one. That's unheard of right now to get this sort of deal 
anywhere, especially at a first-class Alaskan fishing lodge where the customer service is fantastic, the food is off the charts wonderful, and the fishing is great for salmon, for halibut, for cod, and other bottom fish too. You're going to love this experience. You fly into Ketchikan on a commercial airline, and then you take a scenic float plane ride to the secluded cove on Prince of Wales Island where you'll find Sportsman's Cove Lodge, and you'll fish for four days, spend one more night on your own in Ketchikan, and fly home the next day with a whole bunch of fish that is vacuum sealed and ready to go to your freezer. If you want to find out more, now is the time to hop on this because a buy one, get one to a first class Alaskan Lodge, this, like I said, is an unheard of opportunity. The website to find out more is alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for this July 5th through 9th opening at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. You'll want to hop on this one today. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Mark Holyoke on the line from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The reason why is because we've got the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's World Elk Calling Championships coming up. It's once again taking place in Park City, Utah, Canyons Village. The dates this year, July 22nd and 23rd. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Good to be with you. So let's go ahead and, and run through this for folks who haven't heard about the Elk Calling Championship before. I think most people have by now, but for those who haven't, why don't you explain what this is all about? Well, it's about people who uh, who'd like to get up there on stage and, and go with their best elk calls. That's kind of the bottom line. We have a kind of a core set of people who've competed over the years and others who've come and gone and um, you know it's open to all we have uh, different divisions there's a professional division a men's women's there's a youth which is age 11 to 17 and peewee which is 10 years and younger and they're actually pretty cute and pretty amazing at the same time there's also a voice division so that's going up there no diaphragms you can take a grunt tube with you but just use your voice and there's some pretty spectacular callers there so it's a good time it's at the grand summit hotel on canyons village in Park City, and uh, we hope to have a lot of folks out there. You know, if you're an avid hunter and you call elk, there's some really big prizes that are available uh, and good opportunities as well. So how does the actual competition work? Well, what we do is we seed the field based on how they finished last year and in competitions before that. And if they're new, then we'll just go ahead and plug them in. They face off uh, two contestants at a time on stage together, one on each side of the stage. They face off in a head-to-head bracketed format. And so if you're, uh, if you're in the men's, women's voice, uh, youth, professional divisions, you've got uh, 30 seconds. Basically, you'll say, okay, 30 seconds, give us your best cow-calf sounds. One competitor will go, then the other one will. 
okay, 30 seconds for your best bull sounds. One will go, and then the other competitor will go. And so the peewee division for the, for the youngsters, they just uh, they have a little bit shorter time. Uh, oh, but for, for those also other divisions, I should also mention, there's also a 30-second freelance period where they can go up there and just kind of do whatever they'd like. So contestant A will go, then contestant B will go. We have seven judges backstage. Back behind the curtain, a backdrop, they'll declare a winner, and then the winners advance on. And um, the thing that's kind of cool is once the field is narrowed down to a final round of eight, the competition switches to double elimination format for all the divisions except for peewee, youth, and voice. So uh, that's when it really gets, I mean, it, it, it gets difficult for the judges. I would not want to be a judge. Wow, this sounds like all sorts of fun to watch. Let me ask you. I mean, certain names seem to rise to the top every year when it comes to this. Who are the favorites this year just based on past performance? Well, I, I think you look at the pro division, Cody McCarthy from Washington, he went through that division unbeaten last year in single and in double elimination. Uh, he might be the guy to beat. But then again, there's Corey Jacobson. A lot of people know him. He's a 10-time World Elk Calling champion, and a lot of people figure he's the guy to beat every year as he's won so many championships in the past. So he'll be among the top uh, pros. There's other pros that are just, some have won in the past, some have knocked on the door. They'll be there. Uh, Corey has a daughter, Jesse who's competed a number of times over the years. Um, she broke through and won the women's title last year. She'll be back. Two-time uh, champion in the women's division, Marissa Pagano from Montana. She is supposed to be there as well. And I was looking over the, uh, the entry list earlier today, and as of today, there's about a dozen former champions in the field from various divisions. So the competition, it'll be good. Oh, boy. Mark, shifting gears here just a little bit, on our regional show, Northwestern Outdoors Radio, you were telling me about a, a brand new set of online courses, and Corey Jacobson is actually involved in it. It's called the Outdoor Class. Why don't you tell our listeners what this is all about? Yeah, it's a subscription-based online platform. It's brand new. It's just out. And the, the folks that are behind it are the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Go Hunt, uh, Corey Jacobson, who's the 10-time World Elk Calling Champion, and Randy Newberg, who's a well-known uh, public lands hunter. And so what it is, it, it's subscription-based online currently offers four video courses with more to come. I mean, we're, we're about elk and elk hunting at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, but we, of course, support all of these. Uh, you've got early season elk hunting and elk calling, uh, late season elk hunting with a rifle. There's, there's other folks that are involved on how to find uh, mule deer, uh, preparing a wild game. And then as time goes on, we'll add uh, more courses, um, e-scouting, uh, drawing tags, uh, backcountry survival, and then hunting other species as well, you know, not just elk or mule deer, but other species as well. So once you sign up, you have an opportunity to see multiple videos from each particular course. So if you're newer to hunting or if you're experienced to hunting, there should be something there that could help you kind of continue your own education in the hunting world. And what is the website to sign up for the outdoor class? Outdoorclass.com. Uh, all the information is there and the platforms that it's available on. And if you use the code RMEF, you'll get 20% off. So we would just encourage you know everybody who's interested to pull that up, take a peek, click around, see what's there. And uh, RMEF would be a code to get 20% off to start. Sounds like a great opportunity. Getting back to the World Elk Calling Championship, how many people, give or take, compete every year? Well, it kind of depends. You know, we did take the COVID year off. Sure. And so that actually sliced a little bit into our number of people that had signed up. I think before that, I, I want to say we're up around, oh, 
80, 95, 100. Currently, we're up in the 50s or 60s. Of course, we're, we're still a month out, so we still expect a lot of people to, to get involved. And, you know, the other thing about competing is you get together and you just you see, you learn, you hear. Uh, it helps you become a better hunter. And we've had a, a lot of really good friendships formed from those who are in the field as well. Oh, absolutely. Now, I understand this event is presented by Sportsman's Warehouse. I'm assuming they're ponying up some money for the prizes, and I understand there's $45,000 in cash and prizes available. Why don't you break down uh, what the winners get? Yeah, at least that. Straight up cash, if you win the pro division, that's a $5,000 check. Uh, in the men's and women's, it's 2500 each. The youth division, again, that's uh, 11 to 17. That's two grand. Or, or the voice division, I should say, the youth division is $1,000, as is the peewee division. It was pretty fun last year watching this little uh, youngster, young elk caller, this boy who won his $1,000 check. He was pretty excited. But all those cash prizes include gear prizes for the top three finishers as well. And, you know, it, it's important to mention the sponsors here, not just because they make it possible, because when I say gear prizes... This is where you get the gear prizes from. So our presenting sponsors is Sportsman's Warehouse, and here's the rest. So gear from Bow Spider, Browning, Eberly Stock, Gerber, Hoyt, Leupold, Montana Decoy, Nosler, Schneez, Swagger, and Traeger. So depending on where you finish and what division, you need a truck to haul some of this gear away. Well, not only that, uh, those are some quality, quality manufacturers of products, too. So definitely giving out the the top-of-the-line stuff here. I love this. All right, so if there's some listeners out there who think they're pretty good elk callers, how do they register? Well, all contestants need to register online. And go to our website, rmef.org, and you can find it there. If you want the particular address, it's rmef.org slash events slash W-E-C-C. And you'll be able to see all the rules, all the registration info. The deadline to sign up is 5 p.m. on Wednesday, July 13th. So if you're interested or if you have kids that are interested or whatever, feel free to sign up, and we'd love to see a good turnout there. Again, folks, this is going to be all sorts of fun to attend. Whether you just want to learn to be a better elk caller, whether you want to be entertained by some of the best in the world, or maybe if you want to give it a try and see how you stack up against the best, it is the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's annual World Elk Calling Championship presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, over $45,000 in cash and prizes. The dates, again, July 22nd and the 23rd. It's taking place in Canyons Village in Park City, Utah. And if you're anywhere, in the area you will not want to miss this mark thanks for sharing this with us today on america outdoors radio hey thank you john if you are going elk hunting this fall you know you're going to need not only an elk call but a sharp hunting knife and if you're smart you've already purchased a electric knife sharpener from WorkSharp, perhaps the ken onion edition it's their best seller and those abrasive belts keep that knife so sharp and that edge so perfect to help you make short work of dressing out that cow or bull once you've got that animal down. But you might also need to sharpen that knife in the field, and that's where the pocket knife sharpener and the field-guided sharpener come in very handy indeed. And you can find all of these sharpeners and many more at sporting goods stores and hardware stores and ranch and home stores all over North America. You can also find them online anytime to include right now at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com for a great lineup of powered and manual knife and tool sharpeners that will help you be more efficient and successful in the field.
Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. huntofalifetime.org. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. country hunters and anglers. You may have heard of us, but what are we about? BHA is the voice for your wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to boots on the ground projects like public land cleanups, we work across North America to uphold the legacy of our public lands and waters, as well as your opportunity to hunt, fish, and recreate on them. Stand up for public lands and waters and become a BHA member today. Visit backcountryhunters.org. Remember the last time you went to MyPillow.com and you saved big? Well, now you can save even bigger. At MyPillow.com, Mike Lindell is in the middle of a BOGO extravaganza. That's buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free. Now think about that for a minute. Premium MyPillows, buy one, get one free. Giza Elegance MyPillows, buy one, get one free. Sheets, buy one, get one free. Waffle Blankets. Who doesn't like waffles? Buy one, get one free. Beach towels. Perfect timing to buy one, get one free. Couch pillows. Not to be confused with couch potatoes. Couch pillows. Buy one, get one free. Woven throw blankets. Who doesn't like to throw a blanket? Buy one, get one free. Right now at MyPillow.com. And please use promo code KEN, K-E-N. Buy one, get one free. Check it out at MyPillow.com. Promo code KEN. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got Ron Bame on the line. He is the man behind the Hunting Dog Podcast. You really need to check out this podcast at thehuntingdogpodcast.com. He knows all about training dogs and getting the most out of your dog in the field. Ron, welcome aboard. Well, hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's great to have you on again. It's been way too long. The topic today, they say you can't teach an old dog a new trick. What say you when it comes to owning a dog that you didn't train very well and has lots of bad habits? Is it too late at a certain point to break those dogs, those bad habits, or can you actually teach them some new tricks and salvage them as a hunting dog? 
Well, I would say from anecdotal you know, evidence, it certainly can be done, but you've made it a lot more difficult on yourself. Because when a dog teaches himself something, he's quite sure that that's the absolute right way to do it. So when you didn't have a hand in the original training of the dog, everything else in a hunting dog is instincts, whether it's tracking, pointing, search, their love of water, their cooperation, their desire. That comes from the genetic package. Obedience just like a child, if left up to make his own rules, we'd be in trouble. Interesting. And that makes perfect sense, too. So let's say you are in that position, though, where you have an old dog and maybe they've got obedience issues. Maybe they're not retrieving the hand. How do you go about trying to fix it? Well, you'd have to have a, a good, solid foundation or foundational course. You would need to almost kind of start them over, even though that dog might be, let's just say, five years old, Peak physical condition, you know, a fully adult dog, you're going to have to go back to just like you would do it if you'd have done it right with a puppy and start them on basics like a tie-out stake, waiting to be released at the kennel, a calming touch. These things are things we do in developmental stages with a puppy that makes the dog or at least encourages the dog to give himself to you or herself to you, kind of always putting you into teacher mode. And, and those dogs that are, you know, good hunting dogs, but frustrate their owners to beat the band right just probably did not have that really strong foundation or you know people get in a terrible habit with just their young dog let's just show him birds everyone says it takes birds to make a bird dog birds to make a bird dog no that dog is born a bird dog what he's not born is understanding the english language <laughs> and that's our job to so you basically got to teach them the alphabet. If it takes with that particular dog, bring them all the way back to what you could have or would have done as a puppy, you start them over. But it's something you'd have to take seriously. It'd be like getting me to go to college. I never went, and I'm telling you, I never wanted to go. But I suppose if I had the right teacher and she had patience, or he had patience, you know, I could probably uh, get a bachelor's degree in communications. <laughs> I love it. So here's another question. I, I was just kind of listening to you and, and thinking about what you're saying here. If you're the person who previously trained this dog and instilled these bad habits and you need to do a reset, are you as the owner the proper person to do it? Or do you farm this out to a professional and let them do it and then you just keep on top of the training that's been done? I really think you could take either path. You just need to find a trainer that's close enough for you to visit and let the trainer evaluate your dog. He'll give you his best guess as to about how long this is going to take. And it might surprise you because just like that, that trainer is going to have to build the relationship with that dog so he can teach the dog. So if you can find a trainer that's willing to work it and you don't have the time, but you will need to go out there and be with him more than just drop him off and pick him up. I would suggest a very well-known trainer here in West Michigan and I developed a course called the Upland Institute, and that's taking a, any pointing dog all through it, everything it needs from the day you get it home till the day you hunt with it, you know, for the next two years. A course like that is absolutely gives you something to follow. It's step-by-step step because that's the daunting part, training your old dog. Old tricks and new dogs, new tricks and old dogs, that's all doable, but how many of us are really good trainers? That's the real key. That is a lot of wisdom there. Speaking of a lot of wisdom when it comes to training dogs, let's talk about your podcast, the Hunting Dog Podcast. How often does it drop? Is there a certain day a week it drops? And, and tell us more about it. 
Well, we're in our eighth year, fortunate enough to be the first and original hunting dog upland podcast that was out there. The, the airwaves, so to speak, or the internet was starved for it. So I was lucky to be first. And we released, I tell everybody, one episode a week. It may average out to about 50 a year. Occasionally, I need to put a, a rerun in there, just like television does, you know, when I got a vacation coming up and I don't have an interview. But we try to release once a week, and typically on Sundays when everything's going smooth. But I found that once you develop a great enough listening audience like I have, they'll forgive you if you're not out. You're not mad at them. You're just like, oh, okay, I'll listen to something else today, and I'll listen to Ron when he gets it out there. But, yeah, it's been a fun ride, and it's turned into my full-time profession. Well, you do it well, and folks, I think you really ought to check this out. Again, the website to go to is thehuntingdogpodcast.com, or just look for The Hunting Dog Podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Ron, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Anytime. Thanks for calling. Sticking with dogs, they're not just for birds, they're for rabbits too, and beagles in particular are great rabbit dogs. As for what kind of firearm to use when you're rabbit hunting? Well, a lot of rabbit hunters like to use a 410 gauge shotgun, and if you are considering a 410 for rabbits, check out the lineup of shotguns available from Henry Repeating Arms. Just go to HenryUSA.com and look at the side gate lever action shotguns or the new Model X. They all hold six rounds, they're lightweight, and they're perfect for hunting bunnies in the brush. Like all of the firearms made by Henry Repeating Arms, these are made in America. They are rugged, they're reliable, they shoot straight, and they have a lifetime satisfaction guarantee. Look for an authorized dealer near you, again, at henryusa.com. If you have any questions, just ask the award-winning customer service staff. And don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog, too. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments. It's time to talk record fish. From the Outdoor News Daily, we learn the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources has certified a state record walleye caught in the upstate over Memorial Day weekend. Chris Edlund of Spartanburg caught a 10-pound, 1.4-ounce walleye from Lake Tugalo, a 597-acre mountain reservoir in Oconee County on May 29th. Edlin was fishing with a friend out of a 13-foot boat when he hooked into the fish around 8.30 a.m., Edlin said when it surfaced, we got excited and knew if that wasn't a record, it was going to be close. Edlin and his friend Dave Starzik, who designed the lure that they were using, took the fish to a certified scale, weighed it, and they confirmed it edged out the previous record by less than two ounces. That's not our only record fish this week either. The Missouri Department of Conservation announced Andrew Hunt of Hollister is the new state record holder under alternative methods for red ear sunfish. Hunt was bow fishing at Lake Taney Como June 4th when he shot a two pound, two ounce fish. The previous record was a two pound, one ounce fish shot last year at Table Rock Lake. Asked about his catch, Hunt said, It's pretty crazy because this was my first time bow fishing. It was my buddy's 21st birthday and we decided to go bow fishing. We had a guide take us out on Table Rock Lake. We shot a few carp, but later went to Taney Como. 
Hunt went on to say, I got up to the front of the boat and actually thought it was a big shad. I reeled it in and said, well, that's not a shad. The guide saw it and said, I think you just got a record. Missouri Department of Conservation staff verified the fish's weight by using a certified scale at the Shepherd of the Hills Fish Hatchery in Branson. This is the fourth state record fish recorded for 2022 in Missouri. Hunt plans to have the sunfish mounted, though be interested to see what it looks like with a arrow sticking out of it. Missouri state record fish are recognized in two categories, pole and line and alternative methods. Alternative methods in Missouri include trot line, throw line, limb line, bank line, jug line, gig, bow, crossbow, underwater spear fishing, snagging, snaring, grabbing, or even using an atlatl. Wow, all sorts of ways to catch fish in Missouri. You learn something new every day, and as for you, Chris Edland and Andrew Hunt, way to go. Congratulations on your new record. It's time to wrap things up, and like I said at the beginning of the show, it is summer, and it is a great time to get out on the water. Again, whether you are heading to the lake or the river or the ocean, I hope you'll bring a fishing pole with you. I hope you'll make a few casts, and I hope you hook into some great fish. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and remember this, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. Yeah.